Here we go. You're listening to Law and Gospel on this Thursday, October the 19th, in the year of our Lord, 2023. I'm Pastor Tom Baker, and with me on Thursdays is my co-host, Pastor Wes Reimnitz. Good morning, Wes. Good morning, Tom. How are you? I'm doing pretty good. Yourself? Staying inside, it's kind of a rainy day. Oh, really? It's not raining here at all yet. Well, it's been raining most of the morning. It's not right now. Yeah, I'll be coming up that way to do worship services for two congregations tonight. So we'll Mm. see if it's going to be raining on my way up. Do you know what the weather forecast is? No, I hadn't looked at it yet. It's kind of a rainy weekend. Well, we can kind of fit in with this email we received entitled, The Main Reason People Ditch God. Not so much a weather forecast, but a theological forecast. And it begins with a flurry of confrontations that this individual had received about God lately. Can you talk about one of them? Well, he recently had gone to a funeral and a person in visitation ran and ping-ponged all over the the uh, direction and peppered everybody with, how can you believe that he kind of lost count on that? Yeah, he lost how many times, how can you believe this stuff that this yeah. person heard at a funeral? And that's a point we've been making for some time, that the teachings of Christianity really don't make any sense. They're not logical. You can't bring someone to faith by reason that they need to have what gift? The gift of the Holy Spirit. Exactly, who gives them faith. Then there's a 30-something girl who failed in the faith after a terrible failed marriage to a person in the ministry who turned out to be a moral failure, which included extra heapings of guilt thrown onto her by the so-called loving members of the church she used to attain. Have you run into that sometimes where somebody gets guilt on them that they don't really deserve? Yeah, it... uh... You know, I was a circuit counselor, and I can remember that happening a couple of times. Yes. And so a church needs to be really careful on how they deal with members, especially after they have been, say, divorced or separated from a spouse that is really a bad spouse, a moral failure. And then... There was another woman raised in the faith who now views Christianity as repressive and kicked it to the curb 
because of her sexual and other moral preferences. In other words, she disagrees what Christianity says about sex outside the marriage, etc. And she therefore becomes like the people in Sodom and Gomorrah who think they can do whatever they want without God's moral persuasiveness. Well, isn't that what uh, we've discussed many times before, is man's religion versus God's religion? In this instance, it's the woman's religion, what she thinks God should be versus what God actually says in the Bible. Yes. Now, he indicates, <coughs> excuse me, a couple of years back, he had talked about the latest encounters and the first person had bad events come into the life that pretty much train wrecked everything. Although not aware of it, they were wrestling with the issue of theodicy that takes all of us at some point or now, hits what, all of us. Now, what is theology? No, Theodosy. Theodosy. It's kind of a hatred of God. Mm. And, you know, when the first commandment is given, thou shalt have no other gods before me, that is referring to only one God. There are no other gods. So if you have other gods before you, what does the Bible refer to them as? Idols. Very good. And an idol can be a person. It can be a lump of clay that you put together, form it into an island. It can be made out of metal. But during the time of Israel, they would make these idols bow down to them, and even sacrifice children to them. Mm. That's one of the reasons they went into Babylonian captivity. You know, and in the New Testament, when you read in the book of Acts, what was the number one occupation that Paul was running into that they were getting mad at him for breaking down was these businesses that were making idols in the various Yes. Um, towns. Yeah, they were angry at him. Uh, in fact, one had a woman who had been possessed by the devil, and they thought she could tell the future. And Paul stopped that, and they got really angry at him. So that's why a lot of people ditch God, because... God doesn't fit into their idea of how he should act. In fact, the writer was now nodding in agreement with atheist Richard Dawkins. What did he write? Well, in a universe of electrons and selfish genes, blind physical forces and genetic replication, some people are going to get hurt 
other people are going to get lucky and you won't find any rhyme or reason or any justice. The universe that we observe is precisely the properties that we should expect. If there is at the bottom, no design, no purpose, no evil, no good, nothing but blind, pitless indifference. This is evolution at its apex. I still believe evolution is the worst thing that can be taught to young people because it no longer necessitates a God. Instead, things just happen and there's no reason they happen because at the bottom, as you said, there's no design, no purpose, no evil, no good, nothing but blind, pitiless indifference. Now, the second person we had talked about had had people come into her life. She was locking arms with Gandhi. What did he say? Yeah, that was interesting. I like your Christ. I don't like your Christians. Your Christians are so unlike your Christ. Yes. I, I would have to agree with him. Yes. Yes. Except in the life of sanctification. Yes. Then Christians begin to do good works by the power of the Holy Spirit. And therefore, what Gandhi says really isn't correct. Oh, of course. Well, of course. Uh, it kind of reminds me of Francis Pieper, Christian dogmatics back to our seminary days. He would put together justification and sanctification. We are justified, declared free and righteous in the blood of Christ. And from then on, we work in sanctification and, and day by day living with Jesus. Yes. Now, the third person who had become very immoral in her sexual desires, she was following a man named Aldous Huxley. He wrote in Ends and Means a quotation that's very helpful. What does he say? I have motives for not wanting the world to have a meaning for myself. That's no doubt most of my friends in philosophy of meaninglessness was essentially the instrument of liberation from certain systems of morality. We objected to the morality because there was, because it interfered with our sexual freedom. That's a really good insight for that third person who became immoral. She thinks that this is an instrument of liberation. Liberation from what, Wes? <laughs> liberation from God? Yes, and his word. That's like a, a child that disobeys his parents all the time and rebels against them. They want that liberation, and therefore they don't mind at all being against their parents. 
And that's that third person. So when you talk about these three persons and others in the same shoes long enough, you find that they may have different reasons for stiff-arming God, but they have all one thing in common. And what is that one thing? Well, there is no God, and they hate him. Very good. Number one, there is no God, and they hate him. Like the guy at the funeral went on about why God couldn't exist. I noticed something interesting about him. He was furious. Same with the woman I described. That's a strange feeling to have about something that you don't think exists. No one gets that mad at Santa Claus because they don't get what they want at Christmas. And you know, you finally have to tell your children there is no Santa Claus. Well, have you ever heard of anybody who goes out and commits suicide when they find out there's no Santa Claus? <laughs> no. Kind of reminds me of the the time I stopped at a secondhand bakery, pick up some bread, day old bread, and I had my son who was five, six years old at the time, and the the gal said, "I suppose you're waiting for Santa Claus to come," and he wouldn't answer her. And then I looked at him and I said, "She knows the real." the real secret to it all. And he just looked at it and said, man, there is no Santa Claus. Christmas is the time we celebrate the birth of Jesus. Yep. Yep. Yeah, I can't even remember the time when I came to realize there was no Santa Claus because I think occasionally my uncle or my dad would dress up like Santa Claus and bring Christmas presents. Boy, those were good old days, weren't they? Oh, yeah. Well, you know, the Missouri City Church I I went to at Christmas time talked about the birth of Jesus and there wasn't a Santa Claus. And they didn't realize that, that the kids were listening to it so that they go, oh, okay. We'd rather yeah. have the presents from the parents than the presents from Santa Claus. Yes, uh, Pastor Doug Wilson uh, debated with the late atheist Christopher Hitchens on multiple occasions, and he said that many atheists have two declarations. What are the two that he said they had? Yeah, well, it's interesting. There is no God. And they hate him. Yes. And on the one hand, the Bible talks about the mind of the unbeliever being hostile toward God. That's in Romans 8, verse 7. Yeah, and rages. That's, that's interesting. Before you go to the, to the rages, that Romans 7, 8, 7, I... I I looked it up, 
And it's it's interesting what, what Paul is saying there. For the mind is set on the flesh, is hostile to God, and does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. However, you are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. The Spirit of God dwells in you. Yes. See, that's a new way of salvation that Christianity brings. Not by our works, which every other religion thinks that's how you're saved, but through faith in Jesus Christ. But he says there's something more going on here. What is that? Well, rage directed is something that's going on. The mindset is that we're not getting what we want and deserve and are angry about it. Yes. You know, that happens in many relationships. Uh, You and I have both done advice to people who are thinking of getting a divorce. And when you find Mm -hmm. out the reasons for their divorce, they're really angry about not getting what they think they deserve or what they want. And in his... Uh, I I agree with you, and you know I can. In one of my cases, I can remember that uh, the child was in confirmation, and they would they would go through the memory exercises that I would assign. And the, the, the one on thou shalt not commit adultery, we should fear love and and lead a chaste life with uh, our spouse. That that was the turning point that brought him back. Yes. Tim Keller in his message, Mercy, Not Sacrifice, talks about two atheists he knows who aren't married and are fuming about their singleness, not just distressed, they're mad. They told him what? That others aren't as good, kind, and thoughtful as they have, as they have spouses and, and feel that that is so unfair. So what are they mad about? Well, unfair is how do you get unfair in life if, if you're an atheist? goes back to, to the Dawkins quote. And tell me what fair is in that. Yes. So the fact is people in their shoes bow down deep and there is a power behind life and they're mad because that power hasn't delivered for them. Or B, they're wrecked with guilt over their behavior because of the built-in moral law we have from the Creator. That's Romans 2, 14 and 15. Yeah, well, you know, but it's back to, to Romans 8. But if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, the spirit is life. So 
you know, while we have that creative God inside of us, it takes uh, that blood of Jesus Christ to redeem us. Yeah, you can't go too far in these emails without hearing from C.S. Lewis. What does he say in Mere Christianity? Well, the more you obey your conscience, the more your conscience will demand you, demand of you, you know, of its natural self, which is thus being starved and hampered and worried at every turn, gets angrier and angrier. You know, so the life without Jesus is just more and more anger and anger. Because your conscience is demanding of you more than your natural self can supply it. So what is a person in this enraged state towards God supposed to do? What's the first step? Well, it can be a hard step to work towards the realization that there is no no mismatch between the hardships and moral temptations that we experience in life and that there's an all-powerful, all-loving, and omnipotent God. You, you just need to scan the Bible and you will see bad events, people and moral struggles everywhere in, in its pages. Yeah, the Bible doesn't pretend that the followers of Jesus are like Jesus. We're sinners to the core, and we repent of our sins, and that's where we get the forgiveness of sins. So that first step is to realize that hardships and the more temptations we experience in this life come from an all-powerful, loving, and omnipotent God, and he's watching over us. What is Scripture not shy about? Well, it's not shy about declaring that there's a, uh, a creator that watches over us. Each day has a tr- enough trouble of itself. And Jesus promises that I've overcome the world. And how has he overcome the world? Well, he went the way of the cross. Yes. And as we, as we say, he lived a perfect life, suffered, and, and uh, died for us, for our sins. By pain for our sins, he overcame the world, the Satan, and our flesh. This is why Paul lists all sorts of awfulness that can whipsaw us into a hot mess. But he follows it up with Romans 8, verse 37. What does that say? Yeah, well, I think it's a great verse, considering we talked earlier about Romans 8. But in all these things, we are overwhelmingly conquered through him who has loved us. Yes, that the Christian can overwhelmingly conquer all of these things. They say that things come in three, 
And so the writer isn't really sure that there's another angry person headed his way who's had it with God. But if there is, what is his promise to us? Well, be patient, hear them out, knowing that we all get disappointed with God from time to time. You know, take them back to the scripture. We can never talk about a patient person is is Job and the trials that he went through, and he he stuck with his faith towards towards God. Yes, and he ended his book with a statement of hope and trust that I hope we can all declare when our life feels like being caught in a barbed wire fence. And what does that say out of my favorite book in the Old Testament, Habakkuk 3? So the fig tree should not blossom and there be no fruit on the vines. So the yield of the olive tree should fail and field produce no good. So the flock should be cut off from the fold and there be no cattle in the stalls. I will exalt in the Lord. I will rejoice in the God of my salvation. The Lord God is my strength. Habakkuk 3. Yes. By the way, that's my favorite Bible verse. It mm. was a favorite Bible verse of Martin Charlemagne, which is interesting because he was a New Testament scholar, and this is from the Old Testament. But it shows that if you look at the Bible enough times, you find out the truths of God's wisdom, which we really enjoy looking at on Wednesdays when we take a look at the book of Proverbs. It's yeah. filled with his wisdom. I like the one from Genesis. What does that say? Abraham believed and God reckoned it to him as righteousness. As, as we believe, God reckons it to us as righteousness. And who is he talking about? Abraham about Jesus. Abraham, yes. yes. And so we are all descendants of Abraham who live by faith. So thanks so much, Wes Reinitz, for helping us with this email we received. And it's got a lot of good thoughts in it. And we pray that we'll continue with similar thinking on tomorrow's Law and Gospel broadcast. Until then, God bless you. Listen to Law & Gospel each weekday morning at 9.30 on KFUO. For a tax-deductible gift to Law & Gospel, please make your checkout to Law & Gospel and mail to Law & Gospel P.O. Box 28910, St. Louis, Missouri 63132 or call toll-free 1-877-267-1962. Views and opinions expressed on Worldwide KFUO may not represent the official position of the management or ownership of KFUO, the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod.
If you'd like to comment on programs or topics heard on Worldwide KFUO, write us at KFUO, 1333 South Kirkwood Road, St. Louis, Missouri, 63122. You can also leave a question or comment on our comment line at 314-996-1542. We are the messenger of good news, Worldwide KFUO.